Hello listeners, welcome to Explore FI Canada, where we sit at the round table with Canadians and share their thoughts, ideas and personal journeys to financial independence. Thanks to Matt McKeever for sponsoring Explore FI Canada. Matt is a Canadian investor, CPA, entrepreneur and real estate expert who achieved fire at age 31. Do us a favor and check out his YouTube channel by searching Matt McKeever or using the link in our show notes. Welcome back. Hello again, Explorify Canada. Chrissy, how are you today? I'm doing great. It's another sunny day here in Vancouver. You know, it just so happens we only record on sunny days because people are going to start <laughs> thinking it's sunny all the time here. Yeah, yeah. this <laughs> we is unusual. <laughs> it is, it is. Uh, anything new and exciting over on the continent that I'm missing out on on my little island here? No, it's just lovely here. Nothing new to report. Everything's good here. All right, right on. Uh, so we made a little bit of a shout out to the community for guests because we want to share the Canadian story for Canadians by Canadians, right? That's what we're all here trying to do on Explorify Canada. And we have two lovely guests on the show tonight that are relatively new to their FIRE journey. So we really want to learn from them and what they've done and uh, what the start looked like and things like that. So without any further ado, welcome to the show, Gian and Christine. Hello, thank you for having us. Hello guys, thank you for having us. We are excited to be with you today. Oh, we're so happy to have you. And everyone may notice a lovely accent from Jeon. And can you tell us where you're from originally? I am originally from Brazil. Sunny Brazil, I should say. <laughs> Sunny and warm, right? Yes. <laughs> no kidding. I looked, I've I've read your blog. Now, just to uh, keep, we'll, we'll let you do your own introduction, but you do have a blog that is called Fire We Go. And anyway, I sorry I to jump right into this, but I was reading through it and I had to look up where you, it is you actually are from. And I may be not pronouncing this right, but it's Fortaleza? Fortaleza, yes. For, yeah, for, I, I got to roll the R, Fortaleza. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but it looks absolutely gorgeous. The beaches are stunning. There's like 20 kilometers of beaches. And I watched this YouTube video of this drone footage flying around there. It looks like a, a very big but gorgeous city. It is. It's quite big. It's a lovely city. It's on the north part of Brazil. So, yeah, and my family, they are not far away from the beach, maybe 20, 25 minutes. And I kind of feel bad. Sometimes I, you know, call them and I ask where they are. And guess what? <laughs> They're by the beach, you know, having a nice beer and then enjoying life. <laughs> Aww, and barbecue, I bet. Brazilians love their barbecue, don't they? Yes, we do. We do. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. Well, let's let's start off with just getting to know you both a little bit. Tell us a little bit about who you are and a little bit about what your FIRE journey looks like. Well, who we are, I guess we met three years ago online. And since that time, we've kind of um, discovered FIRE. We moved in together about uh, a year ago. And since then, we've really kind of started to align our finances together and now we're getting married we want to retire explore the world and fire is the way that uh, we're going to achieve that that's amazing uh you moved in together a year ago and you sounds like you dove right into fire is that right we did we had the difficult conversations like every couple has right and unfortunately i had to sit down with jayon and um, open up my past financial history, which wasn't all that pretty. <laughs> mm. I was coming into the relationship with probably close to $60,000 in debt. I did own my home, but 
had a lot of uh, consumer debt to go along with that. So Jean was much savvier with his money and um, together we managed to pay off the debt and now we're well on our way to our fire journey, hopefully within the next eight years. Wow. So 60,000 gone in a year. Is that yes. what you're saying? Yeah. Oh my goodness. How yeah. did you do that? <laughs> That's a incredible. Lot of it was, um, I well, it was on a line of credit for the most part. So Jean's line of credit was almost empty and he had a much lower interest rate. So it's really about playing with the interest rates, paying off all the credit cards that we had, um, switching the debt that then was on the higher rate of interest line of credit over to the lower rate of interest and just pounding everything we had, we put on to the debt. Amazing. Every set. <laughs> so Jayan, tell us more about your personal journey. How did you come to Canada and how were you so good with your money right from the start? Yeah, uh, thanks, Rissi. Uh, well, uh, I immigrated to Canada back in 2003. So by the time that I got here in Canada, I decided to, to immigrate to Toronto. So I've been living in Toronto ever since. And I basically had to get, you know, all the finances that I have back there in Brazil, uh, bringing here the money back to Canada. So that's how I started looking for information online. I did not know anything about Canadian finances. So, and I have been here since 2003, so 17 years. So I have to learn, and of course, so many mistakes along the way. A little bit that I know today was since I decided to move to Canada. So that's how I kind of got started and moving to Canada and being in a new place that I have never been before in my life. So I had to be careful how I would spend my money. So that's that's how, you know, we all started. Wow. And I know moving from Brazil to Canada, I we host Brazilian students and I know the currency exchange, the difference between the Brazilian AI and the Canadian dollar is quite humongous. So uh, you have to save a lot more in Brazil to to come to Canada and make it. Yeah, exactly. Right now, I guess it's 3.95 to 1. So for every Canadian that I had, it's 3.9 AIs. Oh, It was not that, you know, the difference at that time, it was actually, I still remember, it's $3.33, I mean, uh, 3 eyes and 33 cents so yeah well good for you so you came across the fire concept in early 2019 can you just sort of run us through some of the bigger changes that you made in maybe sort of lifestyle or spending you know consumer choices just some broader things for listeners to sort of like okay you found out about fire you were inspired you want to travel the world while you're young and you can see all the things you want to see that's on the bucket list How did you implement this overwhelming amount of information? Well, I think the important thing that we started out doing was literally, and to this day, we still do it once a month. We sit down and we track every single cent. (laughs) We put everything we have or like we buy on a credit card. So we travel hack as well. But so we put everything on credit cards and then we sit down after the end of the month with a glass of wine or (laughs) And uh, and literally, Jeanne's built this entire spreadsheet empire. So we go through every single line on our credit card statement and account for every cent that we spend. And so from that, we were able to see, you know, we were spending way too much on things like our cell phones, car insurance, um, 
he was renting his own place. So that was a big one. When he moved in, we were able to put all of the money that we were spending on two households towards one. And just, it was those conscious decisions, right? Do you need to go and spend $300 on a really great dinner out? No, no, we didn't anymore, right? Because now we had a different goal and that $300 dinner out, though it was delicious and we had a great time when we did it, at the end of the month, it was probably more beneficial for us to put that $300 into the RRSP or put it against the mortgage or things like that. So I think just sitting down and accounting for all of our money really made us look at what we were spending and just become far more conscious about every cent that went out. Mm -hmm. And that's something I always like to stress on the fire journey. It's not about deprivation. It's about, get, like you said, getting more conscious and then really pouring your money towards things that you value. And for you, mm -hmm. it was investments because that will lead to more freedom in your life. Mm -hmm. It's become almost a little bit of a, I don't know, that's our entertainment almost to a certain <laughs> extent. <laughs> like the dividends come in and we're like, oh, let's go update the spreadsheet or, you know, we drip something. We're like, oh, we got to update the number of stocks and stuff that we have. Or um, and just, it's nice to see that everything is slowly growing. And I think that what we're doing is working but like we said it's only been six seven months now so it's still early stages but we feel like we're on the right track so i imagine you had that amazing feeling when you paid off your debt i remember that in my own life of that point where you go oh my goodness this is the first time i've been debt free in 10 or 15 years it blows your mind mm -hmm. and just adding on to what you were just saying there, once you feel that you're actually building something positive with your investing, you can kind of start to gamify it a little bit because you kind of get really excited, like you said, about seeing some of that money come back. And that's like, oh, there's actually a return on an investment. It's pretty empowering. It's amazing. Yeah, it's been great. So can you tell me how how it was that who discovered fire first and did one of you need more convincing than the other one? Like you, you both seem very much on board now. And how did you get to that point? Oh, it's totally jam. <laughs> he came home and he started talking. He's like, oh, Amor, that's what he calls me. Amor, that's not fire. I'm like, what the heck are you talking about? Fire? What are you talking about? <laughs> and so then he would explain it. So you can explain how you came across fire, Jam. Yeah, sure. Uh, so when I moved to Canada and I didn't know where to invest my money, I didn't know what it was on RSP. TFSA at that time, it didn't exist, so it was basically the RSP. So I started saving money because I knew it was important for retirement. So after that, and as you go through the internet and then you start reading blogs, at that time, Million Dollar Journey, which is one of the blogs that I've been reading since 2007, 2008, I guess. He was going through his journey of uh, fire, even though it was not called fire at that time, I always learned to what he has to say and finding ways to save money. So that's how it all started. And then later on, it's going through, you know, like reading, okay, what what do I need to do to retire early? What, what are some of the things that I need to do? And we ended up finding um, the group on Facebook, so the Choose FI Canada. So that's how we thought, uh, I found the group. And then I thought, you know what, this is actually what I was looking for. And going through the group and finding, of course, uh, the podcast from Explorify Canada and also the 
the FI barrage, and then I thought, you know what, this is actually what we're looking for. And at kind of the same time, it was when I introduced the concept to Christine. And we got excited, and then we decided to go through our finances, and then that's how it started. I love it. <laughs> what a nice story. So you've got a goal for 2028, which is awesome <laughs> to have a target. And you basically say you're ready that the goal is about is about travel. Yeah. Uh, can you speak to that a little bit? I was just curious. We're going to go into a little bit into your numbers and what you share on your blog in a second here. But does that goal look like you leaving? You're currently in a high cost of living city. Does that look like you selling your primary residence and becoming somewhat nomadic? What does that look like for you guys? Maybe to a certain extent. So the way we have it, um, our house here in Toronto is a bungalow. We're semi-detached, but it's fairly large. It's like a full-size 1960s bungalow. So we have a one-bedroom apartment that we were renting in the basement. And part of our fire journey is we're in the process of moving ourselves downstairs. Uh, it's a big apartment and it's a walkout. It's beautiful. So it's not like we're um, sacrificing anything more than two bedrooms that we don't use at this point anyways. So Part of the goal is we're renting upstairs to gain more income to invest. And I think at the end of the day, we'll just keep that one bedroom apartment in the basement for coming back to Canada in the summer months to see family, friends, <laughs> reset our health care, uh, things like that. Right. Like, um, But for the most part, I think what we want to do is incorporate more of the slow travel and spend a month, month and a half, two months in different countries around the world for the first eight to 10 years. And then who knows, right? After that, either in Brazil, we have a condo down there as well. And then, or here in Canada, split our time. So your condo in Brazil, is that a rental or is that going to be your vacation home? So Jean, do you want to talk about that? <laughs> you were the one who decided to do that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> is that right? <laughs> oh yeah, totally. We went down to visit his family and his best friend lives in a city not too far away from Fortaleza if you're flying. It's a place called Joao Pessoa. It is absolutely breathtakingly beautiful. Mm. And we were out with his best friend one night drinking. And uh, Alfredo's like, you guys should buy a place here. Next day we go, we look at, a, it is under construction, but the presentation center, I guess. And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. We should totally buy <laughs> fire, right? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> like we totally need a place in brazil so we did and now we're we're currently it's still under construction but it should be finished this year and the idea is to rent that out as well for the first five to six years until we're ready to use it ourselves so can you hit the one percent rule in brazil is that possible <laughs> i don't know jan you know the the finances <laughs> down there better but i would think probably <laughs> yep yeah for taking canadian dollars down i think it's going to go far further than it would ever go here, right? So Okay. Okay. Yeah. And that's the beauty of you know buying the properties back in Brazil. If you were to buy the same property here in Canada, uh, I would maybe spend more than one million, uh, I guess. Uh Christian and Christian wow. I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. And on the other side, you know, the place that we bought in Brazil with a good conversion rate that we have right now, it kind of it works on our advantage. So mm-hmm. That's why we thought, you know, it'll be a good property. That's fantastic. 
So my question is, you share in your on your blog here, so I'm not giving anything away, the condo is worth around 140000 Canadian. Is that mm-hmm. a very luxurious condo for that particular town that you're in? or The finishes and everything in it, it's a one-bedroom, well, it's better two-bedroom, two-bath condo, but it's literally like you... There's like a beautiful pool complex that's part of the development, but you walk out of the pool onto this beach that goes for miles. Like it's literally on the ocean and wow. it's spectacularly beautiful. So the view and the location um, are rather than the size, it is a nice, very nice condo, but it's smaller. Um, but the location is what's pricey. Yeah, add to that this is actually the lo- the location. It's not like on the big cities in in Brazil. So if you normally we hear about Rio or São Paulo, we wouldn't be able to buy the same condo mm. in Rio and São Paulo because the price it might be three or four times more than what we paid in João mm. Pessoa. So mm-hmm. he says it's not a big city, but there's like two million people. <laughs> <laughs> But for the standards, it's not big. Yeah. Well, sounds lovely. I, I would love to visit one day. You're more than welcome anytime. As soon as it's all finished. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's pivot a little bit here and tell us about your blog and why you started it. This one's all you, Jan. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess there was more. We got excited when we were listening, you know, to videos on YouTube and also the content on Facebook on Choose Eye Canada uh, group, and then we saw so many blogs, including both of you. So thanks for sharing your journey as well. And then we thought, you know what? I guess it might be, you know, maybe it might be the time for us to do the same. Uh, most of the content that we've read, it was actually in the US. And I kind of felt there are so many, you know, good things going on with the possibilities that we have in Canada. And <clears throat> since we are new to the journey, and then we thought maybe we can try sharing our, our journey with everyone else. And we can see the mistakes that we're making. And as we go through and share you know, the network updates or share you know, the dividend incomes, it kind of uh, revigorates us in doing what we are doing. It's just having another option. It might not be for everyone based on the things that we do. We are far away from being experts on the content. We are just like a regular family trying to do the same, which is retire. So that's how we saw or if we share our journey with everyone else so people can read they can see if it makes sense or not and question us so that's why i think that it's also important because having a second opinion also helps and you know and help us make sure yes we're on the right track no we have to do this we have to do that and blogging it's it's helping us to achieve that yeah, I find that too. I learn a lot from my uh, readers and listeners of this podcast, uh, just as much as they might take from us. I it's just sharing information like that. You everyone gains from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel it's like having an accountability partner. Mm-hmm. You know, you produce any content, it's it's really cathartic in a way because you yeah. get some feedback and you learn more, and it empowers you to go and, and learn even more than you knew already. So. Mm-hmm. It's great to see more Canadian content, so we'll be following along with that. Now, 
I'm going to ask a few more particular questions from your blog here because you are sharing um, some monthly dividend income and you're sharing some net worth updates. So that's pretty awesome because a lot of people don't want to share those numbers. And I'm not going to go into super details here, but I do have a few questions that I'm really curious about because uh, <laughs> a lot of the community uh, maybe knows about the strategies, but doesn't necessarily implement them. So first question for you, drum roll, is <laughs> you are using the Smith maneuver, which is really cool. Can you just run us through you? I read here that you refinanced, uh, sorry, I think it was 2018 and you got the readvanceable. Mm -hmm. Just kind of walk us through the basic, the baby steps of, of how you did that, why you did that and what your expectations are. So we actually we just did the refinance this year as part of our like we paid off all the debt that we had. And now we're looking at our numbers and we're like, how are we going to make this happen? Like, we obviously don't have a ton of money to just throw into the market. Right. So Jean came across the Smith Maneuver and we bought the book and we're both reading the book and we're doing all the research that we can. And we're thinking, OK, we can do this. Why not? Our house is. It's not opulent by any stretch of the imagination, but it is located in Toronto. So we have that perk, I guess, if you want to say, because when we did the refinance on the mortgage, we found out that what we bought it for, what I bought it for four years ago, we now had $300,000 more in equity built into the house. So when we refinanced, we did the readvanceable, and now we had on the line of credit, we had available to us cash that we could put into our investments straight away and just kind of, um, I guess there's a term for that, and I can't even think of prime it. Prime the like pump. The, prime the prime. pump, something like yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that's this what is, we did. This isn't a test. This isn't a <laughs> test at all. <laughs> I need the book. There's a tab, I swear. <laughs> But yeah, so that's what we did. Um, Jeanne came across the Smith Maneuver and we thought, you know what, we're sitting on this asset that if we sell the house, we can gain the money and, and go ahead and do what we want to do. But we need to live somewhere at the same point, right? Mm -hmm. So why not use that money now and then down the road if we need to sell it, then we still have all of the the assets that we've taken out and invested and we can just walk away and do what we need to do wherever else in the world we want to go. So you used Prime the Pump to start it off with, and mm -hmm. are you following through with just, I guess uh, Robinson likes to call it the plain Jane Smith maneuver by using each month's principal payment to be reborrowed and invested? Are you continuing like that? The way we're doing it is a little bit different than um, having our entire mortgage on like a, a fixed mortgage portion and then an available line of credit. What we did was we put a, uh, a chunk of the mortgage on the line of credit and then we have a portion of the mortgage that's locked in. So that way we're able to, because um, Jayon, our finances are set up a little bit different than most. I'm a, like a, a salaried employee for the city and Jayon has his own corp, like his own business. So he uh, works on contracts. So we're able to put larger lump sums of money onto the line of credit. Um, to be able to utilize that money again for investment purposes. So it was more advantageous for us to have a larger line of credit available to us, even though a portion of it was set up with the, the mortgage or the debt from the house that needed to be paid down as well. Does that make sense? Yeah, 
I think some of our listeners will get lost on that one, but I understand what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. We basically split what was left of the mortgage into two pieces. One was a fixed mortgage with the bank, and the ex the the second half set, sits on the HELOC on the on the line of credit portion as just part of the line of credit that we're paying interest on. Right. The same as we would, right? So we just have two different interest rates really right now on our mortgage. So you're not regularly borrowing to invest then? Uh, we are, but we literally throw every extra cent we have onto the line of credit. So we reinvest, reinvest the dividends along with extra cash from the corporation and all this kind of stuff that comes from Jeanne's side. So we're putting lump sums down on the line of credit to then turn around and reinvest back into. Uh, now that's got a name, doesn't it? Uh, that's just, it slipped my brain now, but there, there's a name for that where you essentially put all of your money into this line of credit that you're gradually paying down and then you only withdraw from it for your necessary expenses. Is that sort of your, is that what you're doing? Sort of. We live off of my income right now. So we've got it down. We've managed our expenses to the point where we're able to live solely off of um, the income that I generate from my, my job. So everything that Jayon earns now, we're able to use as investments. So whether we're keeping that inside of his business or withdrawing to put down onto the Smith Maneuver line of credit to then reinvest through that account um, as well. Right on. Okay, well, let's not get too far off into the weeds here. (laughs) (laughs) I know Christy wants to say something, so go ahead. Well, I just wanted to say it's quite a contrast that you paid down $60,000 in debt, and now you are taking on debt with the Smith Maneuver. How did you get comfortable with that from going debt-free to now um, using leverage in order to invest? I think that was more Jayon, right? You had to get more comfortable with that. <laughs> I've lived in debt forever. So <laughs> for me, it wasn't so big, but Jayon, okay. how did you get comfortable with that? I guess it's knowing that it works, right? Uh, it was not the case that we thought, okay, let's, we've read about this myth maneuver, let's tomorrow go and do that. No, we did some some research before going through, you know, the book, you know, uh-huh which is really helpful and trying to understand how it works and speaking to people and learning you know, and reading what other bloggers were talking about. And then we thought, oh, maybe it does work. Uh, hopefully, <laughs> I mean, we will really know once this year ends and then we have to fill up our taxes and everything. But so far, uh, I guess it's good. And as Christine mentioned before, the fact that we are able to live with uh, her income and you know taking care of all the expenses. Uh, everything else that I make goes towards you know the line of credit, and then we feel confident that we are able to to do that. That's impressive. Uh, living on one income, it's it's not an easy feat. So it it takes a lot of planning and a lot of intentionality to make that happen. Mm-hmm. That's where the budgeting and the sitting down, we don't necessarily budget, to be honest with you, Um, Mm -hmm. but we do sit down every single month and we have like our little declining balance for our groceries on the fridge and stuff like that. Like we're, it's just being more intentional with everything we we buy now rather than just Mm -hmm. like I work shift work. So I take my lunch every day, whereas like the guys at work are going out and grabbing Chinese for dinner or whatever. Right. So there's by the end of the, seven day shift, you know, that's 80, $90 that other people are just 
basically throwing away and we can turn around and then reinvest. Right. And yeah. Shan's a really good cook. So I'm going to take <laughs> his food to work for sure. Rather than, yeah. you know, spend $13 on something that that's just convenient. Right. Yeah. It's shocking how that adds up over mm-hmm. time. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess it was also helps is the visual representation that once you go through the finances every month and then we say, mm-hmm. oh, here's how much we spent. And then we, when we look at what we spent last year compared to this year, uh, let's just be more mindful on where we are spending money, right? Mm-hmm. So we are not depriving ourselves. We are just more conscious on where we are going to spend and why we are spending that money. So Exactly. That's- and I just want to highlight for the people who hate budgeting, how you said you don't budget. And I don't either. I actually, I think what you and I do is more just tracking our money. Like, you know where every cent is going. You're not mm-hmm. necessarily limiting yourself, but you're really watching it and you're careful about how you spend it. So you know that it's going towards things that you really want it to go towards. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we, I mean, our Costco bills can be exorbitant, right? We don't, you know, we're not eating uh, ground beef and chicken every day, right? We <laughs> eat the ribs and the steak and we, we enjoy our lives, but we're very much aware of everything that we're spending our money on because now it has a purpose, right? We have eight years until our deadline. And if we can do it before then, trust me, I am going to be handing in my papers <laughs> and walking out the door. So, yeah. Hey, Chrissy, how much experience would you have after doing something 43,000 times? Quite a bit, I think. Yeah, well, 43,000 is the number of Canadians that PolicyMe has advised on their life insurance needs. That's amazing. I'm not surprised that so many Canadians have used PolicyMe. It takes just five minutes and they'll recommend exactly what you need and not a penny more. And if you don't need any life insurance, PolicyMe will tell you that too. I love that. Even better, there may be no medical exam or doctor's statement required for certain insurers with PolicyMe. Visit exploreficanada.ca forward slash policy me to get your no obligation quote or book a call with one of their advisors anytime. So you mentioned that you have your monthly meetings, which is a great idea. I totally support that. Uh, sometimes my wife's a little reticent when I, but I talk about <laughs> money way too often, but uh, so did you join finances? And I'm, I'm asking this from like a day to day perspective. Do you have one account that I, I, you know, I know you say you live off your income. So obviously mm-hmm. all that money goes in there, but do you do use one checking account for both of you. Do you sh- like share credit cards? What does that part of your uh, sort of money situation look like? Yes. And no, uh, we are, I guess we are really a, uh, open about everything all the finances that we have in place right now we don't have a joint account that's something that we have been discussing for quite some time which is having one account which at the end of the day is gonna remove like the monthly fee that the banks is taking out from us uh, right now no we don't but uh, my money is Christine's money and her money is my money. So we don't have any problems with that. We are not uh, depriving ourselves. So if she wants to buy something, she's going to do it. And the same way with me. But being, I guess, on this journey together, which I think is a huge advantage for us, right? So uh, no, we don't. But we are. We always try to find ways to, you know, to improve our finances, like credit cards. You know, she has a credit card. And then when we need to buy something, we say, okay, which one is going to give us more points? Is it going to be credit card A or is it going to be credit card B? 
<laughs> or D where we can improve and then we go from it. And she says, okay, here's your, I mean, we do have the same uh, pin number, so I know that I have to swipe the card, so I know it's going to be okay. And going through at the end of the month, you know, on our monthly meeting, I should say, monthly wine meeting, it, it helps. <laughs> so it's not something new. For sure. And it, it sounds like you've got a plan that works for you guys. And I think that's what everybody finds is you find what works for you as a couple. And to tack on to the part B of my question was going to be, and you kind of answered it, I think, in there was, do you give each other, or I shouldn't say give each other, that's not quite the right verbiage, but do you have a no questions asked spending amount? Like, I know the accountant on FI Garage, he likes to have a number him and his wife have for the month that's their guilt-free spending. And I don't have that with my wife. I believe in the same as you is if I want something, I'm going to get it. And if she wants something, she's going to get it. And I trust that we're both value-minded enough that it's because we really, it's something that's really important to us. How do you guys deal with that? I think it's very similar. Um, we don't question like if Jeanne wants to buy a gadget or something for you know, the computer and things like that, it doesn't matter to me, right? I go out and rarely these days after I added up the amount that it cost, but get a manicure. He doesn't care, right? Like that's, it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, I think sitting down and going through all of our finances and now having aligned our goals, neither one of us wants to just spend money on things that don't bring any value back to us, right? So those manicures, they don't mean anything anymore to me, really. You know what I mean? It's just the, the value of the money that we're earning and how we could be spending it versus just throwing it out the door on something that's going to tomorrow not mean anything, right? So we don't find ourselves actually spending a lot of extra cash other than maybe extra coffee at work for me. That's about it. Yeah, I find that discovering fire really helps to focus your intention with your money. Um, I used to love shopping at Winners. I don't know if you have Winners in Ontario, but oh, yeah. <laughs> it's so tempting because everything's a good deal. So yeah. it's it was easy, especially when my kids were little. You go into the toy section and you find board books and all these nice little sleepers and things like that. It was so easy to to buy, buy, buy. But once I discovered fire the thrill of that just went away. And now I have a list, I go in and get what I want and I leave and I'm happy with that. Yeah. So I, th that's what I think fire really brings to um, the spending is that it gives you that purpose and that intentionality exactly. and helps to prevent that, you know, that FOMO or, or that impulsiveness to buy all the yeah. time. Now my spending is transferring $50 to my TFSA. So I can like, <laughs> buy another ETF. And for me, yeah. that fulfills, it's weird, but it's true. That fulfills that same little desire that I want to go out and buy a new shirt. You know what I mean? Like it, that has more meaning now for me than a t-shirt that's just going to sit in my closet for weeks until I put it on. Yeah. I love that. And, you know, that comes back to the, you know, the saying, one of the ones I love the most is, you know, buy assets, and then have those assets buy your liabilities. Mm -hmm. And I, I like Mark Seed's little uh, factor that he's got. His metric is that how much does he get paid every hour of every day, even while he sleeps, from his assets? And that's mm -hmm. it's just a mindset shift of looking at that 
and getting excited about that, right? Not not that not that you have to focus on that, that that's not mm-hmm. your only happiness, but it's something that, uh, like you say, it can replace that short-term joy that you get from the purchase of something by seeing that fifty go in and make a difference down the road. Exactly. Yeah. Right on. I have a question about your investment choices. <laughs> Did you guys like go off script on purpose here? Or what? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you've got, so on your blog, Fire We Go, you've got your dividend income for September posted up there. And quite a few of us actually commented on there and I was reading through that. And I'm just curious, uh, and there's there's no right or wrong answer here, of course, we know that. it's This is personal finance. <laughs> but I'm curious, you've got a lot of dividend stocks and not a lot of index funds. What's the decision process there? Christine, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, the majority of the dividend income right now is coming from the Smith Maneuver. So from what we've learned and heard and read and whatnot, um, Canadian dividend, it's all Canadian dividend paying stocks that we have in that particular account that we use through the Smith maneuver. So that's where the vast majority of the dividend income is coming from. Okay. Um, And we're going to continue that. I mean, what we're invested in are really strong Canadian companies. They're not going anywhere. They haven't gone anywhere for decades. So we're quite confident in those. We have invested in some U.S. dividend-paying stocks, but we're also now transitioning over to more ETF-based within the U.S. and international markets slowly. But the vast majority of our holdings are still Canadian dollars through the Smith Maneuver. So the majority of our income right now is dividends only because of the Smith Maneuver. Okay, so it's not like you have a specific strategy for eight years from now that um, you know a lot of your fire or your income and financial independence is going to be dividend income. It just happens to be a factor of how you've got it allocated at the moment. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, and correct me if I'm wrong, Jan, but we're going to keep the the dividend paying stocks that we have now. And those dividends are going to keep paying us out as as they are now. We're going to start transitioning new money that we're putting into our RSPs, TFSAs, um, and the other margin account that we have that's not the Smith Maneuver. Those are going to start purchasing more ETFs. But right now, we're not selling any of our dividend-paying stocks. We're actually quite happy with the dividends that we're receiving from them. And then we're able to take those out, cycle them through our line of credit, and put them back in to um, the Smith Maneuver account that we have going right now. Can you tell us more about which ETFs you're investing in? Are these index ETFs or something else? Yes. Uh, just to complement what Christine has said before, what we are trying to do is to to diversify, uh, you know, uh, our investments. Uh, to the fact that we are with the Smith Maneuver, yes, uh, we are basically buying Canadian stocks that pays dividends. So that's the majority of the money that we have, and we know based on. What we have read before is the money that we have on RSP. We still have you know, a lot of room from the RSP on our TFSA. So what we are trying to do is use the RSPs for more uh, U.S. exposure. And the TFSA, we are going to have more uh, global exposure. And those uh, accounts, what we plan to do is actually to buy uh, the ETFs. Uh, and it kind of depends on if you want to buy, for example, for the U.S. stocks. Uh, we actually today we buy we bought uh, ITOT 
which basically gives you uh, all exposure to the, all the U.S. market, right? So that's what we are trying to do. For global exposure, it's going to be uh, the ETFs. And honestly, Chrissy, I don't remember the yet, no, the tickers yet, but we, know, we have that written in somewhere. Oh, I guess that I thought it's VIU and UEE. So it depends on the account and how, you know, what is the room that we have available, and then based on that, we will, uh, you know, try to buy those ETFs. Okay. So it sounds like similar to Mark Seed and Bob Lai, uh, two other bloggers, you are a hybrid investor. So it's some, mm -hmm. some dividends and some index ETFs. Yes. That is correct. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I've got the harder question than that, though, because I did see your tweet today, and I do <laughs> want to ask you specifically about these two ETFs. And this is going to get a little into the weeds, and maybe we should not do this on the show, but I'm doing it anyway. It's my show. <laughs> <laughs> so first of all, I thought it was interesting that you are these two ETFs, and let me run through this, and I can kind of get the listeners up to speed of what we're talking about. But first of all, you used Norbit's Gambit to invest mm -hmm. in them, which is cool, because we haven't really talked a lot about that on the show. Maybe just before we get into the specific ETFs that you bought, what do you do with Norbert's Gamut for yourself? Like, which ETF do you start with? And then just quickly, what does that process look like? Because I think a lot of people are unfamiliar with that. Or maybe first, let's explain what Norbert's Gambit is. I guess I should. Yeah, I guess I should. So, well, <laughs> well I mean, okay, basically Norbert's Gamut is, is buying a Canadian-listed ETF and then journaling it over to a the U.S. side of the same account so that you avoid the transactional fees of exchanging Canadian to U.S. dollars within your trading accounts so that then you can purchase a U.S.-listed ETF for presumably the uh, saving lower fees, basically, and uh, having the not and saving yourselves the withholding tax. And also the yeah. currency exchange fee that your yeah. brokerage would normally charge. Yeah. So what do you use to do Norbert's Gambit? This is all usually <laughs> He looks after it, so I haven't done it yet, but he does it for us. So um, that's exactly what you have described. We have the possibility. So uh, let's say we have our RSP and then we have Canadian funds in our RSP. So what we could have done, we could have bought, you know, like a Canadian ETF who tracks you know, uh, the U.S., the total U.S. stock market. So that's one option. And I guess most people on our community, it's actually doing it. But what we think is actually the U.S. dollar is going to be stronger than the Canadian dollar in the future. So what we have done, uh, we actually bought a ETF, I guess it's GLR.U. Uh, and then uh, once we bought this uh, specific stock, I'm sorry, uh, ETF, we go and we journal, which is basically converting Canadian dollars to US dollars. So once I do this, I am not going to pay a lot of taxes in doing that. Uh, in our example that you mentioned today, we saved maybe $150. The amount that we transfer over was uh, quite significant, and it's, it makes more sense to do uh, the Norbit's Gambit. So once we go through this process, it's just like transferring money from Canada to the U.S. based on the conversion and removing 
the fees that you have to pay. Exactly. And I think that's super important because I see a lot of conversation about people wanting to buy US listed ETFs. And if you want to get that optimized, and there's nothing wrong with it, there's a conversation back and forth about you could just hold VUN, which basically holds the same thing as the ITOT, which you hold, but you are sacrificing a small bid, but you do need to understand and implement Norbert's Gambit. So just wanted to bring that up because I thought it's great that you're using it and you've learned all the applicable skills that you need and the right ETF to do that with. So I thought that was pretty neat. And the next part of my question is... <laughs> You're using two U.S.-listed ETFs. One of them is ITOT, which is the U.S. total market, which is totally fine. Nothing wrong with that. And then you use one that's QYLD for those playing along at home. And this is a covered call NASDAQ ETF. My question is, because I'm not that familiar with these two ETFs. So being the nerd I am, I spent some time digging through the numbers on these and looking at them from a decision-making point of view of why I would hold either one of them. I was just curious, and it doesn't have to be a great, huge, long, uh, detailed, data-driven, rational reminder explanation, but these two look very, very similar to me. Uh, Just curious why you chose them together or one or the other. Uh, Just kind of fill me in on that. I'm curious. Christine, go ahead. I know you can do it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so ITOT is basically it's the total U.S. market, yeah. right? So you're you're covered everywhere. Um, and to be honest, it's the I think it's what's it iShares or BlackRock? Which one? Yeah, it's it? uh, iShares. So it's the same. Yeah, iShares. Yeah, and we looked at the Vanguard one as well, but it was to be honest, this one's just cheaper. It has a bit less um, invested in the actual ETF, but they cover more or less the same companies and they've got more or less the same history over the past few years. So they're on par with each other. So we just went with the cheaper one because, frankly, we could buy more shares of it for that. QYLD, through our avid YouTube watching, we came across that one. And this one, it's rather than a a quarterly payout, um, this one pays monthly. And so for us, we get a monthly income from QYLD that down the road, if we want to diversify from ITOT, we can start generating more monthly income within the RRSP or Kale's R- or um, Jeanne's RRSP or whatever to put that money rather than having to send money all the time down or transfer it through Norbit's Gambit it's generating its own monthly income that we can start investing into different ETFs for dividend paying stocks or whatever we choose to do within those RSPs. Yeah, that's that's a great answer. And I, I was pretty sure that's what you were going to say. And just for the uh, people playing along at home, for the numbers on it, the ITOT, uh, it pays a small dividend of 1.75%. Um, has a very low expense management expense ratio. And the big, big difference with QYLD is it pays right currently. It has an 11% yield with a a higher expense ratio of 0.6. But I did a little bit of digging back on this just out of curiosity. And they do hold, basically their top 10 holdings are very, very similar. It's big tech companies in the US. And if you look at, I kind of did just a back of the napkin five-year return on it, 
you would have had the exact same amount of money. Well, not exact same, I'm paraphrasing, but you would have had a very similar amount of money with either investment over a five-year time period, which is, it's interesting because I've been a victim of this too, where I've got different ETFs that I think are doing different things, but at the end of the day, they're almost identical if you really crunch mm-hmm. some of the, uh, you know, like the year-to-date return on your ITOT is 8%, but your year-to-date return is basically essentially zero on QYLD, but they paid out all your return in the dividends. So it's really, it's just kind of interesting. And the more I'm learning, because I'm on that journey of trying to learning about how to look at all these things, it's, I've definitely looked at yield. And if that's what your intention is, is to generate income from it, then that's the good, that's the right choice. But it's important that people Mm -hmm. see that even though these look different, they're very, very similar at the end of the day. Yeah. And at the end of the day, we're still looking, we plan on living and using the dividends or distributions from our investments to supplement um, our other income streams that we're going to have down the road. So we wanted to try and maximize monthly income as well. So QYLD gives us that, right? It's going to be a, every month we're going to be generating some income from QYLD. So down the road, that's going to be a constant monthly income generator for us. Right now, we can either let that money build up and buy a different stock with it or keep reinvesting it into ITOT right now until we find something else that we want to invest in with that money. Uh, If I can add something else, uh, the reason that we bought, you know, uh, QYOT and ITOT uh, is basically as with that account, we are not transferring every month, you know, like... uh, Canadian to US dollars, we thought, how can we keep, how can we have some US money and then keep buying ITOT? So that's why we thought using QIOT because based upon the amount of uh, income that you're going to have from uh, QIOT, we will be able at the end of the month to have, let's say, one or two stocks. And I mean, to have the money and then using that money to buy another ITOT stock. So that's basically why. So we basically use QIOT to give us, you know, uh, some dividends every month. Those dividends are not dripping. What we are gonna do with those dividends is buying uh, ITOT. Mm. So that's why we thought in doing this, we don't need to do the Norbit's Gambit every month. So we transfer this chunk of money today. Next month, you're going to have dividends from uh, QIOT. The dividends that you are receiving from QIOT, we will actually buy ITOT. Yeah, I completely understand your thought process there. And I guess the point that I was making is that if you look at the actual returns of the two different ones, you're taking a a QYLD, which has no actual return to its value. It just returns all of its value in its dividend. And you're putting it Mm -hmm. into a very similarly structured ETF that is all about the value and not about the dividend. It's just a, just a point that I noticed looking at these ones out of interest. So that's your plan. And and that's great. As long as you've got, uh, you've got that plan moving forward for sure. Yes. uh, um, It's, that's on that account. So the reason is we have another account with more QYLD. So that's why like the other ones we keep growing. But for this specific one, which is uh, a disposal RSP, we wanted to invest more on the US market. So that's why with that specific account, we are joining on that 
uh, we are doing that, you know. For sure. Well, we better get out of the weeds there because Chrissy's sitting on the sideline <laughs> twid- twiddling her thumbs and going, stop talking well, about each <laughs> I just, I wanted to point out that uh, in case our listeners didn't catch this, that um, you are keeping these U.S. dividend paying ETFs inside your RSPs. And it, in case listeners aren't aware of this, RSPs are the only account in Canada where the U.S. recognizes it and has a tax treaty where they will not charge you the, the foreign withholding tax on the uh, dividends. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you are going to hold any ETFs that hold uh, that are in US dollars, US listed and pay out US uh, dividends to be careful. Uh, if you you put it in your TFSA, you will not be shielded from that tax. Um, mm-hmm. RSPs are the only account that has that. Yeah, that's correct. Okay. So I think this has been a great interview. Do you have any other questions, Money Mechanic? No, I checked off my uh, my tough question list here. So. <laughs> I'm gonna save. I'm gonna save the one I had about tech questions for another. So next time we chat with uh, Gianna, Christine. <laughs> <laughs> gotta save something. Tech questions. That's not me at all. <laughs> I just have to comment. Um, that throughout this interview, the two of you have just passed the questions back and forth, and I'm just so impressed that you're equally knowledgeable about the investments. I can't say the same about my husband and I. <laughs> I handle. Well, it wasn't the case. <laughs> Jan was always way more uh, into the whole finance thing, but I think that he, because of his interest in it, it just drove my interest in that. I mean, we spent an entire five day road trip through Northern Ontario, listening to all your podcasts everywhere. Wow. (laughs) And any podcast we could find. Right. And it's just kind of his enthusiasm for it has really driven my enthusiasm and it's quite interesting once you really start learning about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now you want to pass it on to everybody you meet. So. Yeah. And I, I think that's a huge strength between the two of you that you have mm-hmm. that teamwork going. Yeah, for sure. Fantastic. Well, it was such a pleasure to meet both of you and chat with you. And I completely agree with Christy. You have a great plan going on and the strength of a good team uh, makes all the difference in the journey to, to fire. Yeah. It's uh it's the beginning of our journey, but I hope, I hope we're on the right track and <laughs> that we get there by 2028 because I'm retired. <laughs> well, the beauty is that there's no one path, you know, I mean, you, you can always change directions a little bit. There can always be fine tuning. So you don't have to make all, every decision at the beginning and then just uh, think that's the only course. Life changes for all of us. Yes. For sure. Yeah. Uh, if I may just add one, one more thing, it, it's just, to encourage people to pursue that, right? We know it's not easy and then you might think, oh, you know, their situation is better, whatever the case is, but it always starts with, you know, your partner and then being open and understandable about, you know, the situation that we are all in. We know it's not easy. In our case, it's not flowers all the time, right? So (laughs) Christine and I, we decided to do this. It was a difficult conversation because we were kind of blaming ourselves for, you know, being in a lot of debt. But at the end of the day is what you want, you know, what is your journey? What you want to acquire from that journey? What are, you know, your goals and you working as a team? What can you do it together? Uh, don't be discouraged or by any means and, you know, keep doing and spend less than what you make. So it might be not in eight years, but it could be nine years or 10 years. So it's your journey. So it's personal to you. It's what it matters to you, right? Well said. 
Yes, thank you for sharing such an inspiring story. I think a lot of our listeners will relate to it. Uh, it's there are a lot of great gems in there for how they can get their journey started and how you it's possible to overcome even a lot of debt and get started with fire. So, where can our listeners find you out on the webosphere? We usually are uh, on. We have our blog, so it's firewego.com. Um, it's you know we we don't blog as much as we could. So, but you can go to firewego. Uh, we have our Instagram and also our, our Twitter account. It's at firewego. And then if you have any questions, you know we are around. We are more than happy to you know to help you guys out. And thanks to Chrissy and Money Mechanic for your help, your guidance. As Christine yeah. was, saying, was saying before, on our trip, you know, that's all that we have done. No music, no country music. That's what oh Christine <laughs> Just, you know, uh, podcasts over podcasts. And Chris's, you know, the, uh, the Millennial Revolution, we listened to their audiobook in our trip. So it was amazing. It was an open eye for us. And yeah, so that's how you guys can uh, find us. And thanks again for your help. Beautiful. Well, thank you for listening and thank you for coming on to talk to us. Thanks for listening. If you've been getting value from our content, please support us in the following ways. One, leave us a review and subscribe in your favorite podcast player. Two, tell your friends and family about us. Three, use our referral links at exploreficanada.ca forward slash recommendations. All of our show notes can be found at exploreficanada.ca. You can also find us at our own blogs, figarage.ca or eatsleepbreathefy.com. Today's episode was edited and mixed by Max Desmarais with episode transcripts provided by otter.ai.